Welcome to Education Currents, a show designed to provide educational news and commentary from a Christian worldview. The greatest resource any community has is its children. And by providing for them the best possible education, we are providing for ourselves and future generations. Join us as we explore the latest social and political issues surrounding education today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And today we're going to talk with Michael J. Bozak. I was so excited when I read your book. It was Street Smart Advice to Christian College Students from a Professor's Point of View. And I want to just go over some of your qualifications here. Okay. Dr. Bozak has received numerous college teaching awards, including Outstanding Professor Award, Alumni Teaching Excellence Award. He teaches the popular Dave Letterman physics course at Auburn University. Yes. National champions in football last year for all the football fans there. (laughs) This course emphasizes the role of physics in everyday life, which was recently recognized as one of the top college courses in America. He is a committed Christian scientist an educator with a dynamic life story. And I just know from our beginnings that we'll have to do another show to get all of the information that we could possibly get, or maybe a, another couple of shows. Maybe we'll just have you on every, oh, every so often. I'm always happy to be here, Rose. For years, he taught a large weekly single Sunday school class at the First Baptist Church, Atlanta, home of In Touch Ministries and Dr. Charles F. Stanley. Currently, he serves the Lord with Dr. Bill Purvis in the Bill Purvis Ministries at Cascade Hills Church in Columbus, Georgia. And your website? www.mikebozak.com. Mike Bozak. So you wrote this book, Street Smart Advice to Christian College Students from a Professor's Point of View. Why did you have this burden to do? Well, and it was a real burden for me, Rose. I've been teaching at Auburn for 20 years now, and I typically uh, ask to teach the freshman and sophomore students in physics. Now, I'm a full professor nowadays. I don't have to do that. Plus, I have a big lab. I'm a research scientist at Auburn. But I've always had a passion for teaching. I was one of those people who was kind of had a strong desire to be a teacher. I knew what I wanted to do in eighth grade, and it's pretty much what I'm doing now. And I've just been seeing uh, the last few years in particular all of our students struggling when they come to major universities, Christian and non-Christian students. This is across the board. And my point of view on that is why aren't our students doing better? You know, typically our my freshman students very hard to get them to write a cohesive paragraph. And I'm going, <laughs> okay, well, you took English every week of your life uh, for <laughs> throughout all elementary, uh, junior high, senior high. What is it that you can't write a cohesive paragraph? And the math skills are terrible. Uh, overall, the skills set that students come to college with are, are sometimes very lacking. And I'm there to help them with the speed bump, I guess, of the first time when you have real accountability from a professor. Because we're not going to just hand out A's and B's like many of the high schools do. Yes. Now, professors are kind of swashbuckling, independent people. Nobody's going to say you have to give so many A's and B's. 
we're going to call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. And boy, I tell you, the first test in my class rose when the averages come back at 60% is like shock and awe to most students. And so, and I'm there to say, look, okay, now you're in college. Now there's some accountability. Now it's time to get down and work, you know. Yes. Played around maybe in high school or the, the uh, uh, accountability in high school is a little lacking. Uh, easy for you to not study and get A's and B's. That Those days are gone. And so let me help you over the speed bump. And that's where the book really came from, that passion to to try to help our students. Because, I, you know, I I think we're losing some students, especially Christian students, uh, spiritually we lose them that way we can lose them socially they come to the big city the big colleges Mm -hmm. and get involved with all the you know drug sex alcohol and all that but i also think we're losing them academically and that really concerns me and that's something i can do something about as a teacher in the in the uh you know if a student would recognize early on that you're not being a good witness to anybody if you are sloven in your study habits and or you just don't have the foundation doesn't witness to wherever you came from either that's right we need we need our students to succeed i mean and this is the next generation at stake and so you know i want our christian students to become the movers and shakers of the world and uh, help them to get there through you know doing great in college now physics sounds like such a hard subject yeah, I do mean. I seem too nerdy to you yet or <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a hard subject I spent 12 years in college to to get you know because in physics you have to get not only get a PhD you have to do a, a thing called a postdoc mm-hmm. and then you're competitive to apply for a job at a major college now not all of us have all that education but but yeah I mean it's it it is a demanding subject that takes a lot of discipline it, it takes a passion for it I mean, if you look at, and there's not very many of us, Rose, if you look at the national statistics on how many physicists this country produces, it's about a thousand. Yeah. And half of those are international students. Mm -hmm. So each year, the the whole nation produces about 500 American physics PhDs. So it's a very small community. Yeah. So you're in this top, very small percent nationwide, and yet you've found time to use the right side of your brain and write a book <laughs> well again i, I <laughs> that is amazing lost in all of this credentials that that you looked at earlier was that i was a uh, a seminary graduate so i did go two years to seminary it was the total god thing uh how that all occurred it was in the middle of my education in physics so i had to jump out of physics for two years jump back into physics which for if you know anything about how these well, yeah. doctoral programs, that's suicide. Yeah, almost. at the time you probably yeah. What's going on? But here? it was a com- it was a God story behind that. It was a complete open door, and it was the best decision I ever made. Although it was one of the harder decisions I made. So, and I became a Christian late in life and in my college years, and and you know, so all of that added together, I think, to put me in a place where. One summer, I, it just came to me. I said, well, okay, I built the empire, the physics empire at Auburn. Now I can kick back a little bit. And I've always had a passion to write a book. And I said, I, I don't want to write a book that I don't have, you yeah. know, I don't have, you know, a lot of skin in. <laughs> you know, I don't want to spend two months over the summer uh, getting down my thoughts. 
And so... Well, tell me a little bit about your family before we get into the nuts and bolts of how a college student can be successful. Tell me about your family, your growing up years. Well, I mean, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a physics (laughs) I was, you know, this is going to be my passion. That's part of that (laughs) unusual life story. Um, I was born in Lansing, Michigan, and I was a uh, Michigan State University graduate, at least with my BS and MS. And I came from a family with almost no education. I mean, my dad, uh, like a lot of people in Michigan, worked in the uh, auto industry. And he was kind of the first generation immigrant from Czechoslovakia. They settled originally in Pennsylvania, worked the coal mines. And when the coal mines uh, dried up, a lot of those folks moved to Michigan and worked in the auto factories. My dad made about $15,000 a year when he retired. Five children. Uh, We lived in kind of the projects of of the city. And I guess one of the things that really influenced me was that the savior for some of us in that neighborhood was my high school. I had some tremendous high school teachers that took me under their wings, said, you can can get out of this sort of uh, socioeconomic thing you're locked into. And it was great teachers at that time in my life who really were almost more of my parents than my parents. My parents were very busy just trying to put food on the table. And I was the only one that really went to college. <laughs> you know, my brother went for a little bit. but And I can't tell you for sure, Rose, what it was with me in physics and astronomy. I was, well, was there a teacher in high school that that influenced no, you? No, I don't think there was. Well, there was. Yeah, a lot of the teachers were, but there wasn't one physics teacher or really astronomy teacher. I think I had a really early interest in this. In eighth grade, like I said, I knew Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. I'm not sure I can tell you where it all came from, but I wanted something challenging. I love nature. It's one of those kids that, like, built their own weather instruments, you know. (laughs) You know, when you were seven, I built my own telescope in high school. and But yet I, you know, I... I think I was well-rounded, not not totally a nerdy person. I was a kind of a jock in high school and ran track and editor of the yearbook, one of those kind of rags-to-riches type of kids. But I don't know. I've thought about that all most of my life as to why I went the direction of physics. It was, I guess, the challenge and the interest in nature. And it was wow. a God, it's a God thing. God plucked me out of my situation and... Uh, Well, when we come back, we're going to take a break right here. But when we come back, I want to talk about some nuts and bolts of what students can do now and parents to make sure that their college students are successful. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and I come to you each week through the programs of Education Currents and Homeschool Companion. And I'm so blessed to be part of MRG Media Radio Ministry. And I'm giving you the opportunity to be part of it too. We can't stay on the air without your financial support. So take a moment right now during our fundraiser to call you with a gift of any size. As a token of my appreciation for your gift, I have a gift for you. So be sure you call. And my gifts consist of some books that I've written that I've autographed for you. So be sure and call us, 301-824-3162. That's 301-824-3162. Or write to MRG Media at P.O. Box 413, Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. That's P.O. Box 413, 
Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. Well, welcome back. I'm talking with Dr. Professor Michael Bozak from Auburn University, and he's written a book called Street Smart Advice to Christian College Students from a Professor's Point of View. And I think one of the things I gleaned from our first half of the discussion was how teachers had had, your high school teachers had a profound impact in your life. Maybe not so much in a in a particular subject, but that they affirmed you and they right. empowered you right. to go on to uh, to get these great things. Now, this book, I'm opening the cover right now. It's a neat cover. Some people walking uh, uh, on a street, on a sidewalk here. It kind of depicts the title of the book, Street Smart Advice to Christian College Students from a Professor's Point of View. And the website... I, uh, the oh, website again. I can give it to you, www.mikebozak.com. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is from Chapter 4 of your book, and it's Strategies for Academic Success, and you call it the learning onion, or is it is the learning onion different than the strategies? Uh, learning onion is basically the how layers? you— The layers of learning okay. that, you know— one of the things I wanted to show students in this book was, okay, how do you go about learning something? You know, so many students come out of high school, and they just have memorized everything. That's like the lowest level of learning to me. You've got to tear some things apart. You've got to dig into the onion. So that's why I call this the learning onion. And so, and students, unfortunately, or, or come to college, and they don't have very good study skills. I mean, you'd think they would have, since they've been in school all their life, Good study skills. So, but So strategy number one is? Developing effective study yes. skills. Yeah. How do you learn something in a college setting, and how do you prepare for tests? How do you, you, know, how do you handle test anxiety? One of the things I tell my students, do you know how your professor's grading you? Because if you don't know how your professor's grading you, you're going to be putting your effort where it's minimally effective. Mm-hmm. And if your goal is to do well in college, to get that GPA <laughs> up there, well, you better know how he's grading you or she's mm-hmm. grading you, whether by a curve system, by a straight scale system. You know, a lot of us will drop a test, for example. What's the, what's the effect on you? How does a curve system really work? One of the things I talk about uh, in that section of the book is, is time management. To me, college is a time management game. I don't find that students can't handle college, even physics. Uh, they can handle it. They're failing in the so-called values area of their lives. You know, what's an entitlement? What's a work ethic? Do you show up for work every day? I I think a good piece of advice for students in this learning onion area is that if you had a job at McDonald's, what would be expected of you? You'd be expected to show up on time. You'd be expected to learn the skills of how to prepare like a Big Mac, (laughs) how much ketchup to put on it, uh, how long to cook it. You'd want to be courteous to your employees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why would you do less in college setting when there's a lot more at stake? Yes. Than, so, than so strategy number two would be time management. Time management would be number two. And number three, then, test taking. What do you, 
What advice for test taking? Figure out how to take a test. <laughs> um, That's right. Look, your life in college is dominated by tests. You have tests every week. So it behooves a college well, student to figure out how to take a test. Yeah, and some people are really good at test taking, and it doesn't really measure That's right. what they know, but they have figured out how to take the test. That's right. And yeah. unfortunately, we're never going to be in a world without tests. So. Yeah. Yeah, need to I, learn that. And I think that's a little bit of a shortcut that students take. See, one of the mistakes they make there with test taking is that they won't study the actual material. They'll study old tests given by a professor. Yes. That's just a cheap way of yeah. trying to learn. And, and you can live or die by that. If the professor does give different tests every semester. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen those questions before. So, and I give you advice in that section on how to take a multiple choice test, how to take a discussion based test. Now, is it true with a multiple choice test if you don't know the answer, put uh, choose letter C? Is that true? <laughs> well, <laughs> not on my test, at least. I, I can't speak for all professors, but um, to me, uh, my students are always asking me, well, I, I like multiple choice better than discussion. And I'm telling them, well, I could turn any discussion question into a multiple choice question. I, I don't matter to yeah. me if you know the stuff. You're not doing all these superstitions like yeah. circling letter C <laughs> or cir- don't don't have three A's in a row or, you yeah. know, I mean, if you know your stuff, would you ever resort to superstitions? Of course not. <laughs> so my point is, know them, learn, do the spade work and learn the material, yeah. you know. So number, strategy number four, using campus resources. Yeah, what I find is a lot of students, um, they just don't educate themselves on the massive amount of resources that colleges nowadays provide to students who are struggling. Yes. And it's an ego issue to some extent. It's an ignorance issue to some extent. It's uh, uh, I don't care enough to find out whether there's campus resources. But all of the larger campuses I know, and I think many of the smaller ones too, have office after office after office of you know reading helps, writing centers, math centers, uh, student-led discussion sessions, yes. group sessions. Uh, you know, Auburn University is surrounded now around the so-called uh, uh, dorms. We have dorms that have their own, like, learning emphases in <laughs> that section of the campus, you know. So yeah. learning families. So there's, I would just say to students, and use your number one resource, your professor. It's what you yes. paid us to do. <laughs> That's right. you know, when a student comes up and says, well, who would you suggest for a tutor for your class, uh, Dr. Bozak? And I'm going, what? <laughs> How about me? <laughs> you know, we already paid for me. So um, that good. section's filled with that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, and strategy number five, navigating the career process. What I mean by that is the sooner you find out what you want to do, the easier it is. And College, in part, particularly the first two years, is to do that. So I'm not saying I was one of the lucky ones. I knew what I wanted to do really early in life, but I'm a, I'm in the extreme minority. I've found out, you know, most people don't know what they want to do with their life, even in their 40s and 50s. Some people are still <laughs> struggling with that question. So I would say there to navigate that career process to deliberately think about what you want to do, how you're wired, what God has for you in life what he wants for his plan for you. Pray about that. 
seek the Lord on that, seek your parents, uh, do whatever it takes to kind of find out how you're wired and make that decision as early as you can. Now that kind of ties in with, with strategy number six, setting and achieving goals. Yeah, it does. Those those two sections or those two strategies are, are, are very similar. I think what I'm, what I'm talking about in the setting and achieving goals, not only long-term goals, but short-term goals. I mean, if, you know, mm-hmm. whole, life in college is filled with goal setting. Mm-hmm. And you have to know where you want to be. If you want to get, let's say, a certain grade and a course, you have a goal. Okay, how do, you, how do you set about to get that goal? How do you set about to achieve that A in that hard course that you're taking or, or whatever it might be? You know, if you're a college athlete, uh, if you're in the arts, you know, how many, what do you have to do to practice the violin to be the very best? You know, so that section is I'm, I'm just encouraging students to shoot high. The sky's the limit. And, and go for it. Work for it. Yes. And, you know, setting and achieving goals, if you're in the habit of setting small goals and then achieving those, yeah, even if it's just successfully completing and passing one course at a time. That's right. It won't take long before you look back and you're almost ready. Mm-hmm. You're you're almost completed with your degree. That's right. And and some of us need to take off little you know, bite off little pieces at a time. Some people can just see the whole picture and not be overwhelmed by it. But some are overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And so uh, in the last strategy you have strategy number seven changing bad student habits and we're almost to the end of our show but I'd like to hear what you consider some bad habits that need changing. Oh, I've got a I've got a whole list in that section here <laughs> so let me run them down <laughs> okay, real quick for yeah. you. Cutting classes. Oh yes. Students cut classes all the time that's that's it's horrible for your performance. Failing to hand in homework some students just don't hand it in anymore saying I well I just didn't feel like doing it well that's that's going to bite you. Not asking for help when you're lost. Chapter and verse of excuses. <laughs> I've heard that yes. before. Choosing trade-offs to pay-offs. Uh, praying instead of studying. I have a lot of Christian students who will come up and say, well, I, I'm going to pray for this, but I, you know, I really have the time to study. <laughs> I'm going, okay, what would God say about that? <laughs> Worship at the, at the altar of summa cum laude, meaning putting the GPA above everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, changing majors. Uh, changing teachers, work in the system just to maintain that high GPA. And my advice to students on that is probably after your first job, nobody will ever ask you for your GPA. I mean, it's just That's a non-starter. Right. You know, who cares? Uh, they care whether you can solve their problem and do the job. Whether you get mm-hmm. along, can you work in a team, all those things that you see on the lists of what employers are looking for, and I have some of those in Street Smart. None of them say anything about GPA. You're but right. Yet students, they're worshiping at that altar. All yes. The time. So that's a few of them. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bozak, for spending this time with us. I am sure that there are listeners right now that are taking note and would like to read more in your book. If you'll give us that website one more time. Yes, thank you, Rose. It's www.mikebozak.com. And I have a pages there uh, how to order the book as well as I do go out and give talks at, at schools nowadays. I'm able to do a few of those a year and just to visit with parents as well as uh, students. There's a lot of advice in Street Smart for parents yes. about uh, yes. how to position their children, yes. uh, how, what not to do, what to do, what to expect, what not to expect. For uh, and, The and first third of that book is almost 
pretty much right. Parents. You need to start reading this no later than when your student is in the ninth grade, because the ninth grade on, you're preparing that child for a right. successful college experience. Yes, I, I would agree with you there, Rose. Well, thank you so much. We have one last thing to say, and that is God bless. Well, God bless you. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Education Current, a production of MRG Media Ministries. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.